Welcome to the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to our podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast Network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners. We tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and on-duty law enforcement officers to give you all the angles of discussion. Today, I'm going to be joined by Riley Bowman from concealedcarry.com. Riley's put in a lot of work on the uh, Red Dot system, the MRDS system, and is doing a a fair amount of damage there in the uh, carry optics division, USPSA. But before we get into that, a message from our sponsors. This episode's brought to you by Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, the best resource for any gun owner law enforcement or otherwise, and it's free. Available for both Apple and Android devices, search your app store for Concealed Carry Gun Tools today and download the free app. Find maps, gun businesses near you, legal summaries, articles, videos, training logs, and this podcast. Don't miss a beat on the industry. Download the app today. Dot or not, let's bring in our guest, Riley Bowman, joining us today. Hey, Riley. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a while since I've been on uh, you guys' podcast or uh, you've been on ours. So <laughs> this is the first time for this particular format. And I'm excited to be on the off duty on duty uh, podcast. Yeah, it's it's been a real adventure trying to learn the the ropes by myself here. But luckily, luckily Jacob hadn't been too hard on me and has been coaching me along the way. So so dot or not is our topic today. I was. You know, in law enforcement, the the dot seems to be coming. It's coming. It's making some progress. And I'd seen it in competition shooting, but now we have this competition division called Carry Optics. And I happened to notice on uh, some of the social media platforms that you were doing some pretty impressive stuff with it. And I'd, I'd known you, you know, you to be a, a proficient shooter in in the past. So I kind of wanted to talk through, you know, for the concealed carrier, the competitor some of like the pros, cons, and challenges of uh, running a red dot. So how did you jump off into it, first of all? So probably about uh, three seasons ago. I think that's right. Maybe it was four seasons. It's been a couple of years ago. I was shooting three gun and competing primarily in the tactical optics division or limited, which meant that I could have an optic on my rifle in the case of TAC ops, but everything else was iron sighted, right? Um, to be honest with you, I love three gun, but I didn't really care to reload my shotgun. So I decided, you know, I'm going to dabble in this open division thing where I can have as long a magazine tube or whatever on my shotgun as I want. And, <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't even run a dot on my shotgun, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously threw a red dot on my pistol. So a couple seasons ago, I started shooting open division three gun and, you know, that was kind of my first test really. It was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And my first time running a red dot, like legitimately on a pistol was actually in a match. <laughs> so that's a bold I, move. I, I, <laughs> and it went fine. You know, I, I uh, uh, the, the thing there is that I think I already had pretty solid uh, fundamentals and, and a pretty good foundation as far as, you know, presenting my gun to the target and that being all consistent and stuff. 
So I didn't have any bad habits really to overcome uh, moving over to the dot. But I, I dabbled in shooting the red dot competitively only for a couple of seasons. And then last year, sometime, probably early last year, I started messing around with it more from a defensive or from a carry gun perspective. And at the beginning or close to the beginning of this year is when I moved over full time to my carry guns, all that, or everything that I have pretty much these days is, has a red dot on it. That again, bold move showing up to a match and being that the first, <laughs> that's uh that's bold, man. I, uh, it, it, it was kind of interesting, you know, cause I, it, it, in that, it was that instantaneous, like shift in my focus, like in that, um, you know, I, I had spent some time shooting red dots from time to time on pistols, but hadn't like really dived in. And so I go to the match and I'm like, well, we'll just see how this goes. And you know what? The beep, the beep would go off. You know, I draw my gun. There would be the dot on the target and send the shot, move to the next target, dot on target, send the shot. You know, it's like, well, this isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so what kind of, did you like seek out any other training beforehand or since then? Like, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there seems to be this ever budding field of instructors coming up that are, that are teaching dot related classes. Did, did you dive off into any of that? I didn't take a red dot specific course until this year, until June of this year where I traveled out to, to Iowa and took Scott Jelinski's red dot pistol course, two day course. Uh, that's the first time I took a, took a class with, you know, where that was the focus. And I had shot in a couple other training courses with the red dot, but that that's in fact, to this point, that's still my only red dot, you know, course that I've taken. And I definitely got a lot out of it. I'll tell you, uh, Scott's a phenomenal instructor and his approach is, is top notch. Um, and, but I mean, really it was just for me, it was just, just playing with it, just experimenting, just practicing, uh, figuring a lot of these things out on my own. Um, but, but there was already a pretty good foundation of skills, you know, prior to me making that move over. Jed Linsky. I know he's, he's been, he's been the, uh, the, the torch carrying guy for red dots on the, you know, the concealed carry defensive pistol. And I haven't been to one of his classes. I've had to miss them. Uh, because of scheduling and some other stuff. And I, I kind of discovered uh, when I was experimenting with the red dot, it, you know, I, I, I took at it from the complete police perspective. And at the time I saw a lot of challenges that weren't being talked about on the law enforcement side that I don't think necessarily correlate to the civilian side uh, of, of, carrying a defensive firearm, right? So that was, I, I kind of got turned off to it pretty quick. I'm, but the fundamental aspect of it, what I've seen is if you're a decent shooter, if you have a good core set of fundamentals or good foundation, as you mentioned it, uh, it's really not that hard of a transition because the people that I've that I've trained with and, and stuff like that, it, it's not it's not a foreign concept to say, look at the target because as an iron sight shooter, your whole goal is to constantly just see what you need to see to do what you need to do. So 
you're not necessarily hard focused front sight or target. It's somewhere out there in the middle. And anyway, that kind of dives the fact up. is, is a lot of times you're, you're, you're kind of shifting back and forth right. a lot of times between things, right? With irons. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so and much it, easier at the dot. Yeah. As you develop as a shooter, you're able to do that really quickly. But uh, there again, I, I kind of stopped on the, the, the red dot train when I, I went, man, there's some challenges that as a law enforcement officer, we need to really test before we dive full tilt into it. So what would you say some of the challenges as like a civilian defensive shooter or concealed carrier? What what kind of challenges do you see with that platform? Uh, the first challenge, and I think this is a challenge that applies to no matter who you are, uh, is that the, the more red dots become a thing, the more that people see them, the more people are going to adopt them. Uh, it, it's kind of the new widget. Uh, it, it's not really new, right? But it is kind of starting to hit that, that uh, what's the word? that that point that it's really starting to take off the, right like the paradigm shift here is is coming yeah kind of like that uh, uh what is it? critical mass there we go it's, we're sort of reaching that critical mass where it's like finally it's just really taking off i mean we're seeing finally now virtually all major gun manufacturers are putting out pistols with at least the option uh many of them are putting them out putting out options with you know, all of your adapter plates and things, you know, to make it, to make it as easy as possible to, to put a red dot on one of their pistols because they're, they're seeing this too. Uh, I remember actually attending shot show four or five years ago and just kind of looking, you know, kind of just, just looking at it big picture. And I, I said this to, to, you know, my business partner, Jacob, I said, Jacob, dude, in like five, or I, I don't, I don't remember exactly the year. I think I said like in, in, five years or 10 years or something like that. I'm like, everybody's going to have red dots in their pistols. And it didn't even take that long. Right. It's just, it's just taking off so fast. So the problem is, is that more people are thinking, Oh, this is, this is the thing. And there are benefits to having a red dot on a pistol. I believe absolutely. And whether people realize that or not, that's, that's, that's fine. But they start thinking, well, I'm going to get this new widget on my gun because that's like the thing. And the reality is, it's not a bad thing, by the way. It's just that you have to be so much more on point with running your gun, right? So your presentation to target has to be on point. Your grip has to be on point because your recoil management has to be on point. Because if the dot's there for one shot and you send a shot and your recoil management is so terrible that the gun comes back to a different location and now the dot's not there. That's a problem, right? So all of these things, these foundational shooting skills have got to be there uh, to remotely have any success with a red dot on a pistol. So if we're not already putting in the time necessary to practice and train with our pistols, uh, it's going to be challenging, I think, to, to transition over to that dot. Conversely, though, if I flip that coin around a little bit, we also see some success with newer shooters learning on dots. And I think part of that is, is with, with iron sights, we tend, it, it's very easy to get lazy because we can always see frames of reference. We can always see if something gets out of whack, oh, there's my front sight. I just got to bring that back in line with my rear sight and, and you get back on track. With a red dot, you don't get quite as much of, of that frame of reference. Uh, so you, you, you have something go awry in the shooting process or in the draw or whatever, 
and it's harder to fix. And so now with newer shooters though, when, when all they learn it on is a dot, they learn very quickly because that is their only frame of reference. So they figure out very quickly, well, I've got to keep that dot in that window. And so it almost forces them to clean up things in their draw. It forces them to, uh, uh, to, to, to manage that recoil in a way that, that it tracks and returns consistently and stuff like that. And so it doesn't give us that opportunity to develop some of the lazier uh, habits that sometimes come in when we're, when we're running iron sided pistols. Um, the red dot is much simpler. I mean, we have one plane of focus. Our plane of focus is on the target at all times, or at least it should be. Okay. If, if we're focusing on anything other, as far as that focus plane, if we're focusing on anything other than that target plane, then we're using that red dot wrong in, in a way that it's not intended to be used. There is a mistake that sometimes shooters will make where they'll, they'll actually almost focus. They'll try to focus on the dot. They'll try to treat it like a sight, right? And they think, oh, front sight, front sight focus. I got to see that dot. I'm going to focus on that dot and put it on the target. That's completely reversed in the process. We want to focus on the target, the place on the target we want to hit. And then we just want to see superimposed on that target, that dot, right? Um, so the red dot's so much simpler because we have that singular plane of focus. And that also helps, I think, newer shooters develop skill because it, it's very simple and intuitive for them to understand the aiming part of the gun. Uh, it's very easy for them to learn the visual part, right? Cause, cause that it's not just about like people understand aligning front sight and rear sight and putting on a target. Like that's not rocket science, but what they struggle with is how to do that and maintain focus on the things they need to maintain focus on or, or see the things they need to see, as you said, uh, and, and so that's, that's actually the difficulty in learning iron sights is what do I need to see? What can I see? What can I get away with and run this gun effectively and still align those sights and put them on target, uh, where I need to. Uh, so with a newer shooter, instead of them having to sit there and f- try to figure out what they need to see at the same time, they're trying to learn things like grip trigger, you know, recoil, all that stuff, the red dot shooter has the advantage of see target, see dot on target, and then their focus, their attention is drawn more to those other skills where they maybe are trying to grow, such as their grip and their trigger management skills. Right. So, and then I find it's really simple to transfer them over to iron sights because uh, it's, you know, we, we don't ever say that you know, people, there are a lot of times we get in kind of this conversation of, well, you know, you need to learn how you need to learn on irons first. Cause irons like that's, that's, that's the default. That's the fallback. That's always what we got to use. Uh, but you know, I'm not, we're, I'm not saying that at all. If we end up using or learning on a red dot, but it actually simplifies the learning process and moving somebody over to irons is easier than it would have been otherwise. So yeah. yeah. It, Sorry, I kind of started no, going off there. No, man, that that's all good information. And, and I completely agree with you. Uh, and I, I take that from the perspective of it was much easier in the Nintendo generation to teach a kid right off the block, as we used to say in the army, right off the block. And we would, you know, strap an aim point M68 on their rifle and to get them to understand, just put the dot on it and pull the trigger. It's it's not rocket science. There's no 
well, we need to make sure this front sight post is centered in the, in the rear peep side and, and natural point of eight. We didn't have to, it shortened that curve. And then when we would put them on irons, like exclusively on irons, the transition wasn't that difficult because they're now looking through that iron sight, much like they did the, uh, the red dot. So, uh, the, yep. the hiccup I saw immediately with, with pistols, um, and again, this is kind of from that law enforcement perspective is it seemed like everything was up until just really this year, everything was kind of a compromise. You know, do I, do I get a dovetail sight adapter and put the, the thing, you know, a foot over the plane of the bore and all these different challenges that came along. And I think the industry is addressing those now, as far as the shooters, you know, what I found is the a brand new shooter, getting them introduced to that concept is not difficult. An experienced shooter, somebody that, you know, I'm talking about the guy that goes out and shoots 99, hundred on the test with iron sights every time from the draw, from concealment, it, you know, they have that consistent base of, of performance. Those kind of, it's not that big of a transition. The ones that I find that I struggle with are the people that are in the middle. They don't have solid fundamentals with irons and then they compound the problem with, with a dot. And for me, it's, it's been, oh, there's, there's been five or six classes I've done where I've had people show up with, with a, a red dot mounted pistol and I end up by the end of the course, they're, they're going to their car and grabbing an iron sighted gun because we're shooting at a relatively close distance on a small target. And then once they get that concept mastered, inevitably when we, when we do our final exercises, they'll go back and grab the red dot pistol. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I get it now, but it always seems to be those mm-hmm. kind of intermediate level, like, not not novice, but not quite expert level skilled pistol shooters, you know. So that's been my yeah. ch- as a trainer. That's been my challenge is trying to communicate to them, hey, that's not really going to serve you a huge benefit right here when we're shooting three to five yards at really small targets to get you in the the frame of mind to see what you need to see it just seems to complicate those things until we build those strong fundamentals of presentation grip, you know, trigger, trigger management, things like that. And then once we get that, we put them back on the red dot gun and bam, they're right in it. But -hmm. the people that start out that are novices, it's like they immediately take to it. So that's just been an Mm -hmm. interesting observation that I've had just from teaching. Yep. So well, it kind of goes back to like what I was touching on that, that, that the more intermediate or developing shooter, uh, they, they have just enough experience on the gun to have developed some, you know, they have some skill, but they maybe have some bad habits or they haven't quite refined some of the things that, that need to be refined. You know, the, the big thing being the draw, the presentation, consistently getting, that gun on target in the same place every time. Uh, so yeah, that, that I agree with you again, that, that the experienced shooter probably has the fundamentals where, you know, they're consistent enough that it, they're not going to have much trouble making the transition over. It, it is that developing shooter. And that, that is, that goes back to pretty much where, where I was at. There's definitely some ways we can shortcut that process 
I think, even with a dot on the gun, um, such as, I mean, Scott Jelinski teaches this. Um, and this is one of the things I took from his class that I thought was just, you know, honestly, it changed my, it, it changed my opinion about what I had been teaching for a good number of years, which was, you know, on the draw, you get it, your gun to where your hands meet up, right? Uh, kind of in front of the, the sternum, high center mm-hmm. chest kind of area. And from there, my goal was typically to have that gun already oriented at target. Uh, and then we're just going straight out, right? And now that worked pretty well for me in that I developed really good muscle memory, if you want to use the term, uh, proprioception, indexing, all that stuff to where I was very consistent with that and it worked great. The developing shooter isn't going to have that level of skill yet. Even, you know, it, it takes some time to develop that. Scott teaches uh, to actually come in a little bit muzzle high. So you basically you start where like I can see my front sight and my, my gun is oriented a little bit high. And as I'm extending to the target, what's happening is we're then dropping that muzzle down and it's going to drop that dot from the 12 o'clock position in the optical window. And what's, what's interesting about that is number one, as long as we're pretty well aligned left to right, and that's usually less of an issue. Occasionally we get a little bit of overgripping with the dominant hand or something like that, where it might push a dot left or right. But generally people end up being high or low with the dot and you can't miss that dot dropping from 12 o'clock if, if, if that's the way you do it. So you come in a little bit high and then it drops vision wise this actually works really well because the thing you get used to seeing in recoil when you're shooting a dot is you see the dot jump up and then come back down in that kind of that 12 o'clock fashion. Maybe it's a little bit diagonal one way or another. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, ideally it's straight up and down. Mine actually has a little bit of a, a little bit of a diagonal. It's about like 1230 or, or that sort of thing. It's a little bit diagonal. And that's probably because I'm, I'm probably actually overgripping a little bit with my support hand, but it, it works for me. As long as I can, as long as you can track it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and, and so you get used to seeing that dot drop from 12. And essentially on my presentation, if the dot's not there, then I know how to fix it. And it's just a little bit increased pinky pressure because that increased pinky pressure on the base of the gun is going to drop that dot into the window every time. Um, when we When we approach it, like that, I have found it simplifies that learning curve in a huge way for a lot of those more intermediate shooters uh, because, you know, they, they were presenting out and they were maybe going to the whole level presentation approach, but sometimes they get out there and the dot's low or it's high, you know, maybe not very consistent because keep in mind, we only have a couple of degrees of, and it depends on the, on the actual optic itself or how generous that window is and everything, but we only have a couple of degrees that we can be out of alignment before that dot's gone. It's, right. So setting ourselves up where that dot, instead of we get out there and it's like, well, is it high? Is it low? Is it left? Is it right? If we consistently train to have it drop from a, a consistent position in the window, then that actually eliminates a lot of those other variables that intermediate shooters struggle with. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that come in because I was introduced to that concept about 20 years ago with mm. iron sights. And I remember watching right. Todd Lewis Green. And if you go back and watch videos of him, it looks like he's chopping with an axe when he drops 
when he presents the gun. It's really, and he was very exaggerated about it. And I think other shooters have kind of refined that down a little bit, but he would bring the, the muzzle up almost in line with his eye and drop the front sight into the rear notch, which is when I see people teaching red dots, that's exactly the presentation they're doing. So, I mean, it's not a, not a new concept and I'm kind of somewhere in between. I dropped the front sight in from 12 o'clock and as I'm steering it to the target. So that concept, when I went to the red dot was not foreign at all because I just did the presentation I normally do. And I'm like, Hey, there's a dot there on the target. That's pretty cool. Uh, I struggled with having the focal plane stuff. And I also, I have an astigmatism. So mm-hmm. interestingly enough, a red dot uh, was what told me that my LASIK surgery was over, was a little past its shelf life because I said, uh-huh. I was like, I was like, good night. I got this red dot and the thing looks like a grape cluster in there. Uh, maybe I got, so I exchanged, I actually went back to the the place I'd purchased it. I knew the fellow that worked there. And I said, man, I think this dot's got a bad emitter. He goes, Oh, no problem. So he put, so I put another one on the gun. I go back out and boom, there it is again. And I started inquiring of some of my friends and one of them put a pencil up on the muzzle of the gun in a, just with the slide off the gun. It was not like I'm holding the pistol there. And he put a pencil up and he said, let me know when it's in line with the dot. And when it came in line and my eye was able to see that in the focal plane, the dot got really crisp. And I was like, Oh, Oh, it's not the dot. It's my eyes. And, uh, mm-hmm. consequently I'm back wearing glasses now again, but, but it was just a really interesting discovery to go, Oh, well, the dot made me realize I can't see as well as I thought I did. But, but moving on from yeah. that, you got into carrying that as a defensive firearm setup as well as part of your defensive setup. So talk to that point a little bit, like what, what gun are you carrying with a dot and, uh, talk about some of the, the discoveries you've had there. Yeah. Uh, so I carry a SIG P320. Uh, most of the time these days I'm, I'm carrying a, well, the beautiful thing with 320 is it's modular, right? So I have the X compact grip module, but I'm running it on a, on a carry length slide and barrel. Uh, the X compact came out. I, I appreciated its form factor uh, because it, I didn't really like the very oval shaped grip modules originally on the 320 series. Uh, I like having something a little blockier, particularly with parallel sides on the grip, because I find that it helps me actually point the gun, right? Cause you, cause you can tell just by feeling the gun in your hand, that's, that's straight, <laughs> you know, when right. it's oval, it's like, well, it's somewhere around here. Cause it's a rounder grip. So the X series grips came out a couple of years back and they were, they're, 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 they're great. That's actually what I run on my, I run a standard, uh, uh, P360 or P320 X5 Legion, uh, with its, you know, typical grip module. But the uh, X Compact came out, and I really appreciate it because it's a little bit more trim, which for for concealment works great. Uh, it fits in my hand really well. I'm not I'm not a huge talker about gun fit and stuff like that. As far as like, well, this feels better in my hand, that kind of thing, because I can pretty much shoot whatever you put in my hands. But it does feel good, so that's a secondary benefit. 
Um, so anyway, you know, and then I, I put the uh, carry length slide and barrel on it because a little bit longer barrel, a little bit more velocity, and I just think it looks better. But anyway, uh, I mounted a Romeo one red dot on it, which granted isn't the most robustly built red dot in the world. Uh, mine has the steel shroud on it, which takes away a lot of the concerns about banging the thing around, smashing the glass, that kind of thing. Uh, electronically, internally, it's been very solid for me. I've got a couple of these and have run many, many thousands of rounds through them. Uh, eventually, I imagine I'll probably move over to eat more of an RMR or a Hollow Sun, which also has been, you know, performing very well for folks as well. Um, but right now, it's what I'm running. It's running great. Obviously, with a defensive gun, uh, we we do need to have a secondary form of you know, aiming the gun, iron sights. We need to have backup iron sights. Uh, everyone recognizes the fact that, yes, the red dot can stop working at any time. Uh, yes, the batteries can die, although that's usually less of a concern than people make of it because usually you recognize when the batteries start dying. I run my dot consistently on about setting eight or nine, I think it is, out of 11 settings that it has. So like two or three clicks below its brightest setting. And there'll be a day that I look at it and go, Hmm, that's a little dimmer time to change the battery. It doesn't go out right away. Right. And it's still usable for a few days or maybe even a few weeks while it's, you know, kind of in that, uh, deteriorating battery, uh, condition. Um, so backup irons, what I train is that the default should be that even in cases where when I present the gun out, if the dot's not there, particularly with where I'm at skill wise, if the dot's not there, then I have to assume there's something wrong with the dot. And so I immediately go looking for my front sight. That's what I go. That's what I look for first. Cause if I can bring that front sight and it should already be pretty much there. Right. But if I can bring that front sight into that optic window, uh, maybe I did get a little bit off or out of kilter, you know, on my presentation, all of a sudden, wow, dot reappears. Oh, okay, cool. It wasn't the, it wasn't the optic. I just sucked for whatever reason in drawing my gun in presenting this time. Um, but if the dot for whatever reason stopped working, you know, we're going to go and find that front sight, bring it in into the window, bring it into our, uh, rear sight, our backup rear, and we're good to go. We, you know, we run, run it just as, as we've always run our irons. So we want to have we want to have some sort of backup uh, sighting system. That's actually one of the benefits of running a red dot on a pistol. Is in the case of iron sighted guns, you have one system. Uh, do iron sights fail? Yes, they do. I've seen it happen numerous times. I've seen front sights fly off guns. I've seen rear sights drift out of their out of their uh, dovetails. Um, I've seen sites actually break, you know, just for whatever reason. So it happens. And in the case of a red dot, you have a primary, which is your dot and a secondary sighting system. In the case of irons, you have a primary sighting system, no secondary other than indexing off the slide. But you can even do that with a dot on the gun too, where we can, you know, just, just try to line up that slide as best we can on target and, 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 and use that. Uh, never ideal though. So, uh, other things, defensive minded, um, you know, obviously it's going to change sometimes for a lot of you guys, uh, the holster you carry that gun in because 
a lot of holsters aren't designed with red dots in mind. It's becoming more and more a thing. Um, I haven't had too much of an issue with that. I've been using things like Filster holsters, um, also ones I built myself, but, but I, right now I'm carrying in a Filster and, and John Hauptman over there at Filster has been doing a great job for, for years designing really great quality holsters that accommodate for things like red dots already. So, um, but that's just something, to, something, something to be aware of. Uh, you might be thinking, cool, I'm going to put a dot on my gun and you're not thinking about looking, you know, you're not looking at the cut of the holster, how it fits around your gun and, and going, Oh wait, there's material here where that dot's going to go. Um, so certainly you might take a Dremel to it or something and, and make a modification yourself, or you might go and, and buy something that's purpose built for red dot pistols in mind. Um, other things, I mean, obviously you gotta, we always have to be concerned about if, if there's something that's going to stop working with the red dot or something that's going to occlude that red dot from working, meaning things like, uh, let's, let's talk, let's break those down really quick. Sometimes people, people are concerned about getting rain or water on the dot. Um, I've shot with mine in downpours and didn't have any problem. Now, occasionally you get little weird refractions here and there, but I could still, I could still tell where my dot is. Okay. So downpouring rain hasn't really been an issue. Uh, and, and the thing is, is even if you get some weird refraction, as long as you tell where that dot is, you send the next shot that slide cycles and shakes all that water off. Um, as long as that gun's running, you usually don't have any problem at all either. Uh, what about mud? Um, I don't know about you, but I carry in a civilian concealed carry context and I'm not like wrestling around in the mud very often. So, uh, I haven't had that be an issue. Um, might be more of an issue in, in, in the law enforcement side of things. Brian, you understand that. Right. Uh, you, you end up getting down in the dirt, the rocks or something, trying to, to make an arrest. Uh, you know, that's where there's, there's some really great equipment options out there, uh, particularly for the more serious professional users in mind. Uh, holsters, even from like Safari Land uh, with protective covers over those optics and things like that, uh, which, which should help with that kind of stuff. Um, but let's just, let's just imagine that the inevitable occurs. We get something that includes that window or for whatever reason, the window and the optic does break. It's shattered somehow. Uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta try to go to our backup irons and if we can't see those, well, then it wouldn't be a whole lot different than if we had an iron sight failure on a gun and we'll have to go to other, other sighting means there's techniques for, uh, some guys will actually draw a white line across the top of their optic and that'll give you a little bit of a, of, a, of an aiming reference. So you can actually, cause if you see too much of that line, you know, you're oriented high. Um, uh, if you don't see the line, then you're, you're obviously oriented low. So you can, you know, with some practice, you can learn how to uh, use that optical window bracketed on the target and, and use that line reference uh, as, as an aiming option. So, and that can actually work pretty well out to distances of even 10 yards beyond that. Yeah. Probably not recommended. Um, but, uh, and then things too, you know, up, up close, a lot of encounters are, are in fact up close, uh, but just bracketing the optic window on, on a target, you know, three, five, seven yards. We're usually close enough that if that optic window, if we bracketed our hit zone in that window, it it's, it's, we're usually going to get pretty decent hits. 
Right. And a lot of times on really close targets, Brian, especially a target I'm drawing to and drawing to quickly, I won't even use the dot to aim. I'm actually just looking for the optic and I'm putting the optic, you know, we're talking three, four, five yards on an A zone or something. That optic window is still within the A zone of the target. So optic window on, on A zone, hit the trigger. And by the time I get to my, my second shot, third shot, whatever that, that dots already appeared and, and I'm starting to see it and I'm tracking it. Even if I wasn't necessarily looking for it in the first uh, shot or two. So a lot of different ways we can use optics on pistols. Uh, it's not binary. Okay. It's funny. I don't want to spoil um, the episode I did with Hanny, but he, uh, I'll go ahead and bring up a little teaser point. He brought up target value. And this was some, hmm. an argument that I, I, I had heard and I had never heard a really good counterpoint to. And that was, you know, if we go by, some of the data points from Tom Givens or John Korea or any of those guys that really track civilian shootings or defensive shootings. And even a lot of law enforcement shootings, the old three, three and three, three rounds, three yards and under three seconds. Right. I said, well, if that's the case, why am I going to bolt this stuff on my gun? Like if it's, if it's that inconsequential and he brought up a very good point. He said, well, what if your target's not full value at that distance? And I said, full value. And he goes, yeah, like, you know, this high center chest is not presented to you at three yards in exactly the format that you see on whatever your favorite range practice target is. And I thought, oh, oh, that's, yeah, you could potentially have to make a very surgical shot at a very short distance. And maybe that would give you the benefit there. So that was an, an aspect that I had never never really considered as, as it being a benefit. I always looked at that as, well, if it's three yards, what does it matter anyway? Get, you know, Put the gun between you and the bad guy and work the trigger and let's move on with life. Uh, but, the, uh, but that aspect of it really came through and uh, Hanny talks about it in great detail next week. Uh, but nice. the... But that was, to me, it was like the best counter argument to, well, if it's three yards, what does it matter? Anyway, you don't even need sights on your gun or I've heard that said before. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just a, a, like it changed my mind, like 180 degrees in like one sentence. I went, yeah, that's, that's, that's valid. So, so any, yeah. And uh, for new shooters, uh, my I constantly get the, uh, well, what gun should I buy? What gun should this, what, what would you recommend, et cetera. And the newest question that's been coming up is, well, should I buy one that has the ability to mount a red dot on it? And my blanket answer now is yes, absolutely. Because that's, that's where the industry's headed. That's where parts support is headed that, and, you might as well, unless you have the, you know, the disposable cash and you want to buy one of each. Hey, that's great. But, but I've been recommending people, Hey, if you have the option to do it, maybe you don't want to invest in that right now, but, but it's certainly, there's no detriment to buying a pistol that's already adapted to a red dot platform, whether you decide to explore yeah. it or not. So 
It, not, we have to do. We do need to recognize that not all of those uh, various manufacturer systems are created equal. Right. I mean, for instance, the Glock MOS system is has. It's far from a perfect system, right? Uh, so, I, you know, the, the most reliable, most precise way of mounting a dot to a gun is to have that that specific red dot milled and fitted to the gun, right? And why is that important? It's important because we want the forces, the recoil energy that's being imparted on that device to be as much as possible transferred from gun to red dot frame and not to say like the mounting screws. And so like the Glock MOS system, for instance, works pretty well, but it's, it's really dependent on the strength of the screws holding everything in place. Uh, and that's true. Also some other systems out there. Now, some, some folks, uh, only get the option, like some agencies, for instance, that maybe have moved or, or are permitting a red dot on a agency gun or a gun that's used for work. Uh, they might only approve things like, well, you, you, you know, Glocks are our agency gun and you may use a Glock MOS if you're going to use a red dot, in which case we want to use the best quality you know, screws, the best quality hardware. If we have the option of maybe upgrading to say like a plate from a company like CNH Precision that that really makes, you know, high quality stuff uh, and, and kind of addresses some of the shortcomings of the factory system. Uh, we certainly want to look for those kinds of options as well. Uh, and I also want to point out too that a lot of folks don't realize this, Brian, but even between, say, even with like a Trigicon RMR, kind of the gold standard, you know, the poster child of the red dot uh, optic industry, uh, even with, even Trigicon's own specifications show allowances for tolerances in the size of that of that body of the optic by a couple of thousands, you know, five, six thousandths of an inch, which can make a difference in the way things fit. That's why some of the companies that provide milling services for pistols uh, actually ask you send the optic with the slide, and that they actually are are they're they're cutting the same footprint as they do on everybody else, but they are maybe changing that by a couple thousands of an inch and making sure you get an absolute perfect fit, so that 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 mounting is just rock solid. Um, that's super important. I wasn't all- aware of that the the tolerance. You know, having been in the manufacturing game, there is always, there's always variances there. They just yep. are, or things become unaffordable <laughs> because right. of the precision required. <laughs> so, uh, and I, the cool I, thing is, Brian, just, just so you know, companies like CNH precision and others, uh, really, I mean, milling services like 125, 150 bucks with some of these guys and they're doing a high quality bang up job. Right. That's really not bad at all. Well, I have, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting on, uh, and I think the industry is moving in this direction. I saw it at SHOT Show 18. The industry is moving that to more of a plug-and-play type business mm-hmm. model, so to speak. And yeah. there's a particular red dot out there on a particular slide with a, a friend of mine has that uh, it's not quite available to the public, but everything is, all the plates and everything are based around the acro and a little birdie has mm-hmm. said that the battery life issue is getting ready to be a non-issue. And I've kind of been waiting for that and that, that off the shelf system that I can, you know, I can use a 
(laughs) the fat wrench bolted on and go. And just like everything else in the industry, you know, I I was in law enforcement when weapon mounted lights came on, pistol lights came out (laughs) and I can remember seeing, okay, we basically got one light that, that everybody says is okay, but the holster companies is not making it for every platform yet. And so there's this lag time that comes along with anything in the industry. And a lot of people aren't conscious of how manufacturing processes work and, Hey, why can't I get a holster for, you know, my, (laughs) my Beretta 92 or whatever that adapts to this particular red dot with this particular light. And it's, it's like, well, you may be one of like four people in the U S that carry that setup. (laughs) So they're not going to tear their whole manufacturing side down and tool up for your four holsters there. It's just not going to happen. And it becomes a, a bit of a frustration and that's just a wild example, nothing in particular, but that's, that's the one thing I've seen with the dot so far is that, it's like, well, you got to have this plate with this, with that, and this, and this holster only works with this setup. But if you have a light, you've got to get, so there's, there's a lot of like unknowns out there. There's a lot of X factor out there when you decide to devote to that. And so, and I think a lot of people that don't maybe have the industry insight, like a guy like you or me or somebody else would that don't understand why that that occurs my take on it is when somebody says well hey should i buy this gun with a red dot adapter i'm like absolutely do that but just be aware when you dive into that rabbit hole it can be very deep and it can yeah there there's lots of other additional widgets that can come along so yeah let's do it but um spend your time and efforts on learning to run the gun right now yeah and i agree with that you know uh i like you kind of touched on, you, you you recognize that this is the direction the industry is moving, uh, and I think it's only natural. I mean, it's it's kind of like red dot and other electronic optics on carbines, right? There was a uh-huh. there was a time where people were like, "Oh, I don't need that. The iron sight's been working fine for me for years." Uh, but now, who runs an AR without some kind of optic on it? Like nobody. Hardly, right. right? You find a couple of oddballs out there that still, you know, prefer to run their irons for whatever reason. But pretty much everybody puts an optic, particularly a red dot, uh, on or an electronically lit, like say even like a lot of your your low power variable variable optics out there. A lot of those have illuminate op, uh, reticles, or they'll like I love the uh, vortex optics, uh, one to six, one to eight, the, the one to ten power now uh, that have the little red dot in the center of the of the crosshairs. Uh, you kind of get the best of both worlds of speed and and also precision when you need it. So I, I, I see this evolution in our handguns being it it just is only natural that eventually we're going to get to a point. It's not that iron sights are going to go away. And I don't think we'll ever probably swing so far to that side. uh, Like we probably have with our carbines Uh, just because I, I I think there'll always be a certain crowd that will, will continue to use iron sights and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Don't get me wrong. You can run iron sights. Great. But, 
we are moving to the red dots. More and more options are coming. More and more features are coming. The pr- products are getting better. The technology is getting better. The product support is getting better. Uh, as you've noted, so many more agencies are, are jumping on board. It is the future, right? But it is added gear cost. It, it is, no matter which way you slice and dice it. Uh, it's getting more affordable all the time. But, you know, it's like, well spend money on ammo and training and get and go learn how to run my gun or put a red dot on it. Well, that's a decision everybody's got to make for themselves. Uh, no matter what though, at the end of the day, we all need to be proficient with our guns. If we carry a gun for personal defense, if we carry a gun for work, we have like, it's an, it's incumbent upon ourselves. It's our responsibility and duty to be proficient with that gun. So do what it takes. I think that's a great final thought. <laughs> I really do. It, be proficient cool. with your gun and do what it takes. So whether you're running a red dot, irons, whatever it is, be proficient is always number one. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, that, that's that's been my personal goal for many, many years is just to get, you know, I, I, I'm, I am never done pursuing excellence with running a gun in my hands. The cool thing is the red dots enhance that experience for me. I just, it really has. People say it's, it's, you know, a red dot's cheating or they say, you know, Scott Jedlinski says something similar. People say red dot's cheating and then they'll say, but it's slow up close. And I'll say, usually I answer those questions with sending them a clip of me running a drill, uh, both fast and close. (laughs) No, it, it, it can be both. It's not a binary choice. Um, but whatever we choose, whatever we run, we need to be proficient with. There's ways of doing it. So absolutely. And thanks for having me on uh, your show today. Well, thanks, Riley. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right. So thanks again to my my brother from Colorado, Riley Bowman. This has been Dot or Not. Is the dot for you? Thanks for tuning in. As always, again, this episode was brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. The best resource for any gun owner, law enforcement or otherwise, and it's free. Download it today, Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. I have it on my phone. It's been an excellent resource. Next week, we're going to talk with our our old friend, Hanny McMood, and we're going to talk the cop perspective on red dots. And we're going to go from there uh, and kind of peel back the layers on, on, on this new red dot machine that has been coming and, and uh, filtering into law enforcement. A little background about Hanny real quick. He actually teaches instructors and students on how to run red dots. So should be a really good conversation. I'm sure it'll be lengthy. Uh, again, thanks to concealedcarry.com. And we will talk to you next week. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearm safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.